Hello, 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 everybody. I am not Jason Miles. I am your guest host, Kona Neutron. I'm a musician in a band called Kona Neutron, the Secret Friends, and a podcaster of over 10 years with my show, Kona Neutron's Proton Reversal, and a co-host for the show, Movie Night Extravaganza. Jason has asked me to, to fill in for tonight, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity. So let's get into it. The words cancel culture have become so overused in political discourse that it's become shorthand for the same arguments that were lobbied against political correctness in the 90s. Driven largely by social media to magnify the public knowledge and perceived offense of the canceled, this can take the format of sexual assault, hate speech, boycotts of companies doing harm to the world, and whatever the heck Kanye West is up to lately. Some people argue that cancel culture does have a benefit, such as allowing less powerful people the ability to answer back to the powerful and the famous, speak truth to power, and be held accountable when the justice system just does not work. But is accountability really the goal? I coined a phrase in a private conversation with Jason Miles and Ben Burgess. In the absence of justice, people will settle for catharsis. Now, without real actionable consequences as a curative measure, wishing the bad person to the cornfield does feel good. It is cathartic. Some people, myself inclusive, think that through the false connection of social media, that getting an offender is the only possible end result. They get got. There are good people and there are bad. And the canceled are the bad ones. Clearly. Yet there is a rehabilitation train that never stops and provides all the trappings of change without any of that pesky atonement. No actual social change occurs. Nobody really learns anything. And the only tools in the toolbox are bullying and shame. Additionally, the cancel can take comfort that the fickle, all-seeing eye of Sauron will eventually seek a new target, and the tortures and pitchforks will be directed towards a new main character of the day. Yet, could it be possible that the mob could get it wrong? People remember the accusation, not the exoneration, and the endless complaints over reputational damage for getting canceled do have some basis in reality. An apology is cast as insincere. But how could it be sincere? They are a bad person. Supporters argue that cancel culture is vital to addressing deep-seated institutional problems such as sexism, racism, and justice. And if they can't be incarcerated or actually banished, we can certainly take down their statue and retroactively invalidate the art. Yet many call it an assault on free speech, limiting discussion of potentially difficult topics in the name of some ever-shifting retroactive morality. What I and the others would like to postulate here is that what we seek is a consequence culture, an avenue for education, growth, and, yes, atonement, that also holds the target accountable for their actions and speech. Rather than public shaming, the idea is to pivot towards curative measures, including acknowledging that people can make mistakes and, in fact, even learn from them. So how would that manifest, and would that really be something new? So to discuss this topic, I'm very pleased to introduce Professor Rick Valentin, musician, artist, and for the purposes of importance for this show, coming from the front lines of academia. Uh, Rick Valentin, welcome to the show, man. Hello. Can you hear me? Absolutely. All right. So what do you think? When I say front lines of academia, by the way, that, that, that's a quote I got from you, which I think is fantastic. <laughs> uh, is, 
has this canceling this cancel culture is is it been good for society is there any going back to it are you seeing it with the students um i i think the my main thought in what when you were speaking in your intro is that i i think this is the way a society regulates itself right is is through you know public discussion possibly shaming condemnation right positive and negative i mean that's that's one of the forms of, of how a culture regulates itself so this idea of this being a new phenomena i think is i i'm not 100% you know on that and so the uh, and then i guess the the reality is is that well but there's there's an acceleration there's more opportunity for uh individuals or um underrepresented groups you know to uh uh, express themselves and be heard right through social media but that also means that can be a negative too right is is uh you can speak to power but then also um other sort of negative forces you know can um have power as you said you know sometimes the negative is what's heard and uh even if there's you know uh retraction or an apology right that usually doesn't the positive doesn't necessarily have the same impact or resonance so i mean for me yeah it's it's even that idea that uh whatever you want to call it cancel culture or just <laughs> public deliberation right and yeah. uh, regulation um is is a new thing and i don't think it is i think that term is <laughs> horrible <laughs> frankly uh, to, to be clear but also because it's been hijacked to mean that oh you're being silenced for things just because people don't want to hear it and yes that potentially might be true but it's also done to mask any kind of thoughtfulness or sensitivity towards disenfranchised people as well yeah and so again that's why this isn't a show about cancel culture. I like the idea of consequence culture. There mm -hmm. being, but I think in order for there to be some degree of consequence culture, we need something beyond catharsis and you need an avenue for atonement. And there's a certain degree of trust that just frankly doesn't happen with torches and pitchforks. And, and it, not even atonement, but that idea that, yeah, um, discussion, you know, and, and resolution, right. And finding, um, maybe not even consensus, but, you know, working through conflict. Right. And, and I think that becomes more and more important as we become this, you know, sort of disconnected, distributed, you know, collection of individuals, you know, as, as the world becomes more individualistic and needs more sort of collaborative efforts in order to s solve all of our problems, we not only need to be able to, um, you know, challenge, and, you know, uh, you know, power and and uh, bad bad actors, but then also um, how to work, you know, together, uh, discuss, resolve conflicts, come up with solutions, right, and and act upon those, you know, sort of compromises or middle ground, you know? And, and so it's not even, a, I, I think it's atonement is good, right. And being able to allow someone to rehabilitate themselves or, you know, uh, 
clarify or change their mind even right <laughs> which used to be not so controversial that you right, could change right. your mind yeah well, I evolve used to be. yeah and that's the thing too is people live forever now right a lot yeah. of people you know and and it's like and their bad you, ideas you, and bad takes live forever as well <laughs> change yeah and they but they also people can change over time for better or for worse and so all of these ideas it's it's like yeah you, you there's there's the one thing there's there's the the pitchforks and torches and sometimes you need that to you know um uh, challenge and, and gain attention, but, um, that's not necessarily an endpoint for, I don't know, collaborative solution and problem solving. Right. And so clearing out, you know, public, publicly shaming, calling out, um, you know, bad actors, I, I think that's important, right. And challenging. And if, if, you know, the cultural norms or, you know, have changed and saying someone is not, you know, is an outlier now or is not, you know, um, operating within what our, you know, culture or community believes is, you know, proper. Uh, that's that's an important process. But then that process can't just be an end, a means to, an, you know, it's got to be more than that. Right. It's, right. it's it's like, oh, you're clearing house. But if if cleaning house is the only thing that happens, then it's, yeah, not necessarily uh, providing any um, progress. Well, and that's, you know, my analogy of like wishing people to the cornfield, which may be an outdated reference. It's from Twilight Zone, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but I'm I feel like that's as far as it gets. And it's like, well, OK, so you've you've gotten the thing you don't like out of here. But again, it's it it, it seems like a limitation in scope. And I've long thought that it's too bad that there isn't a more expansive toolbox for this kind of thing it's usually bullying and shame those are the two, the two things in the toolbox right and look what's effective is effective i get it and there's plenty of people that should be bullied there's plenty of people that should be shamed i absolutely agree with that but of course social media has made every voice at the same level so you have people just using this in a situation where maybe it is not warranted you have a accusation without anyone noticing or even engaging with the exoneration and it lives there for forever james gunn's a great example people think of him now as being this unimpeachable he's heading up like the dc universe now right but he started off in the trauma world and he was a bit of an edgelord when he started out and he made edgelordy comments dead baby jokes and things along those lines things that you know someone like you or i would definitely not think was appropriate but he did, and they were taken out of context, and they were done so in a way to silence him, to get him to not be involved with the creative thing that they didn't want him involved with. And it was effective. But there was a path where like, all of the people that worked with him were like, actually, this guy's a like, really good guy. He's not like that anymore, and maybe we should think twice about this. But I feel like that's an anomaly that he got a second act with it. Yet, you have someone like Louis C.K., who's a <laughs> self-admitted sex pest, who just starts touring again. Just starts touring again. Just starts showing up in different places, and and uh, okay. So this we have this collective like memory of a gnat now, and that's just okay. We're on to something different now. I I don't want to bring up a bunch of examples and and clutter the field, but I just think it's it's interesting to have it be weaponized in that way, and then also have such a factor be like, well, what was their social capital before this happened, and maybe that's how shows if they're able to survive it or not meaning that 
the strongest survive, the most popular. I mean, how does Kanye West continue to survive? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So some of it is, yeah, based on you know, yeah, wealth and status, right, and class, right, and so all those things, right. It, it, that that is. <laughs> One of the constants, again, if if you look back on the history of this, right, is, yeah, oh, the, the, you know, if if you are in a position of, um, you know, sort of higher, you know, class, wealth, you know, in that, that power position, the likelihood that you'll be able to survive or, yeah, you know, sort of. Write it out. Weather yeah. it out, yeah. Um, and, and then going, yeah, and, and I'm thinking about this, you know, going back to academia, when you said there, there doesn't seem to be other solutions, you know, it's always just, you know, shaming and humiliation and, and burn, burn the house down. But I, I would, I, I think maybe this is part of the problem why academia has kind of gotten embroiled in this, this idea that, um, you know, free speech and, um, yeah, just all of those those buzzwords, you know, free speech, cancel culture, um, yeah. and, and it's because I, I mean, I honestly believe that that's, I mean, one of the goals of uh, education and higher education is you know critical thinking and mm -hmm. um, debate and being able to you know um, listen and and hear opposing viewpoints and then sort of uh, find a, a I, don't, I don't want to say civilized but you know uh, yeah a civilized a way of um, resolving and discussing these conflicts and these changes and and all of this and and so um, that to me is that 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 environment that was you know the, kind of the key and so there are people who are actively you know sort of against <laughs> uh, you know a a, a a a community that's that's built on you know critical thinking and and encouraging right. people to independent thought and encouraging people to question you know the status quo and so then um yeah it can get embroiled in uh yeah when when the preferred method is just like you said you know sort of destruction and humiliation right as just the end point right without any kind of progress or solutions or change you know that's that's you know any kind of idea of debate and critical thinking you know is counter to that idea i i'm, I'm of the opinion that there's very few problems in this world that couldn't be solved with more critical thinking and, and that includes all ethoses uh, you know, the, the left should not be exempt from that yeah. <laughs> right we need to question authority we need we need to question everything and if you're belief system does not survive a rigorous questioning, then perhaps you need to question why it's your belief system to begin with. Mm -hmm. uh, that said, I'm, I believe in free speech, but not free speech absolutism because now that's been weaponized as well. Right? Exactly. Like you got all these, these people sharing, well, it's, it's, it's free speech for us to be able to congregate here and basically incite, incite a riot in, in all, but uh, throwing the first punch. Okay. Well, that's not what that was meant for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and uh, that's always been the case. Is is the, the idea of of free speech, and but it's that there are limits. A group of whites is called a gentrification. The idea of me, you know, standing on the, you know, on the sidewalk outside of my neighbor's house and screaming at at them that I'm going to burn down your house or I'm going to come in there and murder you all, and it's like I, I I'm allowed to say that, and it's like no, you know, there's there are limitations to that. That's that's shouting fire in a theater. 
you know, that, that, that's like that level of, yeah. again, basic scrutiny I, I, that I would say. By the way, I should mention uh, for all the folks uh, wondering who all the white people are. Of course, this is the lovely uh, Professor uh, Rick Valentin, uh, who has has been on this show, usually in the music shows. Uh, that we're yes. Of course, I am the guest host, Kona Neutron. I would think that'd be apparent by the large words that said guest host by Kona Neutron at the bottom of the screen. But I get it. You're, you're looking for one thing and you and you got another. This is this is <laughs> it's like that PIL record. Right. Uh, but I also should mention that if anybody in the chat uh, does want to chime in on the conversation, uh, you can uh, drop in a super chat and uh, we'll, we'll be glad to, to engage as needed. I, I think it is astounding, though, how limited we become with just like, oh, the best we're ever going to get is torches and pitchforks. And there's certainly examples like Harvey Weinstein. Right. Okay. That guy sucked. That guy always sucked. That guy sucked for decades and was coming from a place of privilege and power, which he abused systemically over and over again. And people look the other way. Mm -hmm. Bill Cosby. That's another, that's another example. Right. And this is some America's dad, America's dad. What what was it? What was this man getting up to? Horrible. And I'm not saying like, Hey man, let's, let's, let's give these guys out. You do indeed have to hand it to them. Let's hear what they have to say. No, maybe they, there's a certain point that like there's nothing left to say maybe your atonement should be like in silence away from the public eye and certainly away from the the, ge the gears and levers of power but i think that it's notable that th those are these extreme examples right people are thinking of those examples they're not thinking of like the justine sacco examples right which, which that was in the john ronson book uh there's a new york times article about it she just like it, it tweeted some you know very insensitive jokes before getting on a plane became the main character that day and Twitter got her fired and ruined her life in the course of the flight. Right. And then it was on to the next thing the next day. And, 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 and there's no, like that seems extreme to me and that's using the internet for sure. But again, mob rules, mob rule. And the idea behind a consequence culture instead of a cancel culture would be like, okay, so there's gotta be an avenue for education. There's gotta be an avenue for growth. And there's got to be, yes, I keep saying it, there has to be some sort of avenue for atonement in, in the cases where that makes sense. But that said, a boulder rolling down the hill is a boulder rolling down the hill. And, and I don't know, I'm looking at it from perspective of being terminally online adjacent and <laughs> being in these creative spaces that I feel, generally speaking, coming from punk rock, have a higher degree of uh, critical thinking and whatnot. But do you see this in the in the younger folks in the younger generation, Rick? Do people even view this the same way? I I mean I feel like <laughs> I'm uncomfortable just saying you know making blanking statements about the young people. What 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 I see at least you know um, is is uh, this um, a general turn uh, sort of trend towards being you know more more sensitive to um other other people right and their feelings and um that idea of uh you know sort of ostracizing someone or uh pointing out their differences or you know sort of the us versus them kind of idea that us versus them is less about um sort of superficial tribal kind of ideas like oh i'm conservative i'm you know progressive or i'm i'm black or i'm white right yeah. it's it's more about oh it's it's kind of like the the them are people who are um 
don't are insensitive don't take into account do view the world in this divided way right and and um uh diminish um people for i don't know superficial kind of tribal reasons i guess maybe you would say and so that that to me is i mean i I have a positive kind of viewpoint where it's like, oh, I, I don't feel like I, I do see there are situations where there are are uh, <laughs> I hate saying young people, but it is. Yeah. Young, you know, students, you know, who are, um, you know, activists and and very, very um, passionate and might be kind of in the more kind of burn it all down vein. But that's that's I think that's just typical. That, that to me is not unique. Um, among any age group, I think what what's happening now is that there's there's definitely um, more attention paid to just equity and um, you know yeah 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 just equity and and that's to me a positive. I don't I don't see it as a rampaging generation of uh, <laughs> pitchfork you know, torchbearers you know with pitchforks. That to me is not what's going on. It's it's kind of like saying hey wait a minute you know you know, this, like you said, this, this dude is, was a poisonous individual. And why did the powers that be, you know, uh, you know, um, allow this to happen. And then taking that same sort of critical eye to all of the systems, whether or not that's a university administration or a political power, or just even, you know, uh, a media outlet. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and you, you, you want there to be a, a differentiation, right? It's not a one-size-fits-all situation. If you listen to like the critiques of of the words we shall not speak, it does sound like just like a a, a, a you know a groupthink <laughs> gaggle of young people intended on destroying the generation before us. Which okay. <laughs> That's not what's know, that's, that's always <laughs> and that's always the perspective, you know, I mean, that's that's really the narrative that always happens with a generational shift or a cultural shift or, you know, one one. Yeah. One sort of generational perspective shifting into another and, and a, a new generation moving into dominance. It is it's it's uh, the the uh, the. Other older generations are always viewing it as oh they're just they're just tearing everything apart and it's willy nilly and the, and everything like that and it's like well no they're questioning the uh, the structures that we've we've built you know and and uh, you know bringing to light those conflicts so yeah maybe yeah I, I just keep going back to the idea that this is kind of the 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 human dynamic and then it's just been sort of changed and twisted by this more immediate type of communication you know social networking because right? it's flattened out everyone's voice is at the same level yeah. potentially not always but potentially and yeah yeah and, and, and sword, right? i think there's more more opportunity and there are more voices right and more potential for uh people to, to more pathways for attention but i still think there's there's a hierarchy there right so yeah like for instance the person who owns um a social media network might have an outsized ability to, you know, still dominate the conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. I, that's, I, I, I believe the hypothetical person in question would, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because there's plenty of people, even in this media space, and by this media space, I'm talking about the, the, the sensible, um, uh, you know, pragmatic leftist 
call it what you will, political podcasting world that have become somewhat persona non grata because they their their drift or flirtations in some case with the big money that's available, certain rightward leaning websites where it's okay. Good for you, I guess, uh, if, if like that's all you were looking for. But then also people go down weird alleys. And I think that, first of all, there's no such thing as objective truth. At least that's how I look at it. I feel like any subjective truth is, you know, maybe 99.99 to the, to the nth degree percent true. And I think we as a society would be a whole lot better off if we were more curious than we were immediately judgmental. But I think social media pushes us to judgment. And again, people remember the accusation, not the exoneration. And and I think that that's a problem because that, that has been weaponized. And there does seem to be some antipathy uh, amongst the younger generation of, I just don't want to hear about this, which I get. I don't want to hear about it either. You know, like some of these things are just like, oh my God, I just, I don't want to hear about this. Uh, and we have a lot of circles now we have our, our social media circles that are, are feeding us the same things that, you know, we all agree that these things are awesome. <laughs> you know, like, well, Rick, you and I will get the same notifications about like the podcasts we like and the obscure post-punk bands that we enjoy listening to and, and, and so on and so on. And that's what we see. That's not what, you know, the people in the chat see, they're going to see something entirely different. And it allows us to finally hone things uh, like in the way that oil gets refined into gasoline to be this just really strident mindset where I, I, I think that we're b- better off being a, at least a little curious, which isn't to say like have ruinous empathy towards everybody all the time, always. That's like the NPR model and that doesn't work either. But I just think people should be more curious rather than judgmental in general. And I think we would be in, in a better spot. It doesn't solve problems. I, I think that, and I think there are some people that they're not worth your time, your empathy or your attention. Okay. But is that every single person that disagrees with you? I would say no. Yeah. And I, I, th- I, I've agree with you or I have, I have agreed with you on a lot of those ideas, but then I also, you know, the idea of <laughs> sort of, um, it's I've been more, canceled where, uh, by using yeah. oil. We're going to go green. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, yes. It's more about the, and it it, it 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 reeks of elitism when I start talking about this. But that that idea of curiosity and and it's like, yeah, it would be wonderful to have everyone be, um, you know, engaged and curious about every aspect of our world and existence, but. The reality is, is that's not what everybody does. And and this is a pattern even just, you know, in, in the more kind of direct idea of any kind of social or community work. Right. There are people who are part of the community and then there are people who um, are the maintainers. Right. Who. So it's kind of like 90 percent of the work in maintaining a community, whether or not it's just a small you know group of people who are you know, on a discord channel, right. Or if you're talking about a, a whole nation, right. Um, is, is like, like maybe 10% or 1% of those people are, are actively engaged in the, the deep work of maintaining and, and, um, sort of doing that deep work in, uh, yeah, yeah. The curiosity, right. And then, and those people are either leaders or they're they're people who 
are, you know, sort of informing leaders and then you've got everyone else. And so I, I do also feel like that idea of giving everyone responsibility, right. And expecting everyone responsibility. And then on top of it, expecting yeah, good luck. That, that level of work. <laughs> yeah. That level of work. Yeah. You know, when, when people have to live and survive and, and maintain themselves just on a personal level, the, the expectation of engagement and this, this idea of kind of like deep effort and deep curiosity, it's not necessarily essential or I don't know if we should expect, and it's not even if whether or not it's good, everyone should be that way. It's like, they're not going to be that way. And then, so then the question is, well, how do you help, I don't know, rewire what you're talking about, which is that if you've got uh, a system or an economy that's built on, you know, sort of monetizing conflict, right? <laughs> right. Precisely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Then, then really you've got to figure out a way to rewire it. And I would say the redemption arc, you know, that, that is, is also a commodity that can be sold in, in this. And, but the thing is, is that you have to, you know, t in order to sort of sell that redemption arc, you still have to destroy someone. Right. Yeah. And so, so it's just another aspect of this larger kind of machine that, that exists, this power yeah, structure that now just happens to involve people that are not just um, the richest, whitest landowners you know <laughs> you know now we've got other people and other communities that can be you know part of this this power network right and, and they can mobilize and they can organize use these tools to organize but that comes back to something i actually said on this show a really long time ago when jason uh of course the host hosted in absentia <laughs> was banned from i think i believe it was facebook at the time that I'm like, I, it's, it was amazing to me because there was no avenue of recourse for him. And he really didn't do anything. But that's because we were at this inflection point of that then, where are these, is this a public square or private company? Mm -hmm. Well, it's both. Okay, well then what laws, if any, do you apply to it? Because again, coming back to free speech absolutists, they only seem to care if it's their speech is being effective. Right. right? <laughs> we don't care about people we don't agree with. But if you're talking about something reaching a flashpoint where it's 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 the new public square, it's the new newspaper, it's the new uh, whatever method of communication is, then you are you have to start talking about guidelines and regulations, which is not what we do. Because remember, if you're not paying for a product, you are the product, and that's what all these social media sites are, including YouTube, which is hilarious, but because <laughs> that's what we're broadcasting on right now, and we've reached this point now where even the critiques of these systems have been absorbed into the system and are all part of the machine. Right. Mm -hmm. I, again, we're, we're in our, our, our safe little, little, uh, little channel <laughs> talking with like-minded people, having a great conversation about these, you know, heady esoteric topics. But is, is that being heard by the people that really need to hear it? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe if it quote unquote goes viral, because they, they haven't exactly found a way to completely lock that down yet. But what goes viral? Nonsense. Nonsense is what goes viral, right? There's a viral clip from this show, this show about um, gooning. 
<laughs> which i'm not sure i i'm gonna assume that uh the, the, so norman um we don't need to talk about it i don't i don't want to bring it back into the uh but but you know norman finkel seems like this great thinker and it, like has this like incredibly erudite topics and, and of course the, the, the most nonsense laden thing possible like that's what reaches people on the outside mm. and that's the world we live in it's not even controversialized anymore it has to be threads perfect example facebook's twitter alternative they got so much backlash first of all because they didn't even allow the feature to <laughs> just follow who you're following at first they added that later uh, after much outcry but it started off being like hey we didn't want to make this a place for uh, politics or anything awkward this is basically a place for brands to hang out with each other i'm like that sounds terrible that sounds like an actual nightmare to me but like if people are doom scrolling and that's the one that wins, then that's what people are going to be fed. And they're going to be fed the gruel. And that's they're going to say, I guess this is the gruel that I'm going to eat because that's all that's being fed to me. So I think we're in a situation where everybody kind of softly or hardly acknowledges well, we need a better world, but they don't they don't feel like that they have the power to do anything about it, which is goes back to the, the central thesis statement, which is in the absence of justice, people will always settle for catharsis. And that's, I mean, and I'm trying not to be like bleak, but I mean, are you, are you disagree with any of that? Do you? I, do, I don't actually. Yeah. And so that's the thing is that the, the more sort of immediate um, reward, right? So, right. so change and positive change or any type of change, you know, uh, it requires a lot of work and a lot of time. Right. And so, uh, but, you know, anger and destruction or you know just even you know the act of arguing right that's yeah. you get it you get an immediate sort of yeah yeah so it's just that the, the the media environment that we're we're living in is not built for deliberation it's not built for uh, uh creating you know finding solutions it's not built for finding common ground right right Although it is, I, I mean, that's, that's unfair. I do think, you know, and, and talking about this is like, you know, there are, there are positive, you know, social networking kind of communities where it is just people being supportive or being positive. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's, or yeah, yeah. It's kind of like next door versus, you know, just, oh, the, the people in our neighborhood talking about, you know, house repair, right. You know, it's like, oh, one, one can turn into a, you know, toxic, you know, uh, in, you know, kind of uh, judgy environment and the other can be just, oh, people communicating and talking and, and sharing, you know, these common, this common knowledge or sharing knowledge and, and that have this, these commonalities, right? And then they, they can, you know, if they need to work together in some way to, you know, change, I don't know, community, create change in the community and organize, you know, the, you, you can't do that through, through social media it's just yeah the that's again i mean if if you just think about it it's it's kind of human nature in a way or it's 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 the way human culture has been built which is that you have the kind of mob reactionary type of you know very immediate kind of visceral um reactions and interactions but then um we hopefully have these other systems you know to to find common ground and find resolutions to conflict and, and work together. And, and so I guess that's the problem is, is that we're not, it's, it's difficult because there is so much 
uh, enabling of the individual. And I love individuality, but the thing is, is that again, it, it just always goes back to, it's like, if everyone's an individual, how, and, and there's, you don't have a way of working collectively in order to solve, you know, large scale problems that the individual can't solve. Right. That the society has to solve. Yeah. Right. And we're locked into this world that attempts to celebrate the individual without celebrating the needs of the individual or providing for the needs of the individual, which leads to feelings of disconnection and loneliness, which then can then be weaponized, which is, which is, you know, why I say YouTube, not just for radicalizing grandma anymore, you know, right. right, <laughs> Those right. are the kind of jokes I end up making. Yeah. Jokes. And I, it's notable because, well, what are the avenues for curative measures? Well, they're nuanced. <laughs> and we've we've built this completely nuanceless world that, again, I've seen many people jump on the online bandwagon for certain things where just they, you know, they fire up the torches, they bust loose their, their finest pitchforks, and they're off to the races. And sometimes like, well, hold on a second. Like, what? are you going after them for exactly? And, and I think that it's dangerous in any situation uh, for mob rule. I don't believe that all information should be free all the time. And I don't believe in the absolute hundred percent correct nature of bottom up democracy. I think that's a dangerous place to go down, but I'm also not an autocrat. <laughs> I don't believe in like yeah. autocracy either. And there's a fine middle ground between those things. And it comes back down to, you know, the safety valve being critical thinking. And, and this is kind of, I don't want to get too deep into my, my little corner of the world, but within academia, I mean, we do have a lot of self-governance and, and it is all about, uh, you know, it's not just about administration, but it's about uh, committees and, and, you know, uh, people working together, decision making process, right, with, right. you know, all sort of representatives within the community. Um, but there there is times where it's kind of like, oh, you've, you've kind of built this representational democracy, you know, that's at least the the academic environment I am in, which is, you know, really invested in self-governance. Um, it's kind of like a miniature model of, I wouldn't say an ideal democracy, but representational, you know, you have your, your peers representing your interests within, you know, so faculty peers, you know, rep, I'm representing my faculty peers within a kind of Senate like environment. And, um, but then what'll happen is, is you'll have these committees and these, these groups, uh, kind of processing these problems and coming up with policies and everything like that. But then sometimes you'll have a situation where it's like, okay, we've done all this. And then it's like, and then it's like, we need to start over. I, I don't like this. I don't like that. And then the individuals, you know, start coming back and, and basically it, 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 you're, you're basically re sort of negotiating everything um, which so leads to factionalism, which leads yeah. to like the Judean people's front versus the people's front. Exactly. Media, that kind of mindset, that, right? that type of <laughs> dynamic. And so that's, that's kind of the frustration. I feel like that's starting to happen, you know, because of social media is where it, 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 there is an argument and I feel like I'm, I'm becoming an elitist here, but I, I think there's an argument for leadership, but also um, having people sort of represent the interest of, you know, 
larger constituencies, right? Right. That idea of representational yeah. democracy, I guess, right, is like, oh, you can't you can't build consensus. Like, yeah, it's a it's a contradiction in terms of uh, you can't make everyone happy, right? And you can't resolve, uh, you can't create solutions that make every individual happy. Right. You'd make yourself insane trying and you would fail in the attempt. Yeah. And so there has to be compromise and there has to be some sort of method of doing that. And so I guess that's the problem is, is I, I always go back to this. I, I understand. And, and I do feel like our, our society is reconfiguring itself. You know, it's the, that idea of the, the medium, you know, defines the culture. Right. And it's like, oh, we've got this network system and it is a bunch of individual nodes and they're connected together. But then how do you, how do you create any type of larger scale communities or problem solving? Right. And how do you how actually do you... solve the problem in, in yeah. advanced society? Right. Yeah. yeah. And and that's the thing is that's why there are unions. Right. So I, I'm talking about, Oh, like, yeah. So it's not just necessarily this idea of, um, uh, yeah, leadership, leadership, right. And having a representational democracy, we have things, you know, that idea of a union, you know, you could say it's the same idea as a community or something. It's so a groups of people, right? And then having them operate in a way, instead of it being a mob, right? It's a deliberative body, right? That's working to solve these problems and also come to a consensus about how to how to work on these problems and how to challenge maybe the existing powers, right? Yeah. Or to become a power in and of itself, right? Well, and, and then so, and there's also the thing that like all these rhetorical cudgels and things that that again they're repeated ad nauseum until they've, they've lost any value or meaning whatsoever most of them are not new i mentioned in the intro right that like the 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 vapors that pe the people are having about cancel culture it's the same people that complained about political correctness in the 90s oh political correctness it's gonna it's what's gonna Oh, it's going to alter our society fundamentally. And I just remember in, uh, and I guess it's almost 10 years ago now that, that, that it, it made a comeback before they settled on cancel culture as the rhetorical cudgel of their choosing. Some guy made a, like, I think it was a Google plugin that just replaced political correctness with treating people with respect. So that any article that was bitching about political correctness that you just have treating people. With respect. And right. it was, and it was so simple, but it was, it, it just, it led, it led you to like really think about the absurdity of even like places like the New York Times and like the, like these huge publications that again they they their power and influence has waned somewhat since then, but it was like oh no like thumb on the on the scale like they were writing these articles that were like how is this in any way an objective article you're just going for the most salacious thing to to get the clicks because you're in a dying medium, and you know there's there's a lot to unpack there but I just think that. that it matters so much how language is used, even as language itself is denigrated and, and made less important. And I think we need to be more aware of that. And and the thing is, is the history of, you know, sort of the, the you know, that idea of the printed word and how that became a technology that was used to, you know, sort of destroy um monarchies right and and the the stranglehold that maybe the catholic church had you know on on the planet or or society right, right? Yeah. so and so the same idea is just oh yeah so if 
if you're, you know, instead of being a, a pamphleteer, you know, in, in the 1700s, yeah. you know, it's, it's, oh, you're, you're an activist within the social media environment and you, and there's an opportunity to, through this technology to, to rewire and, you know, subvert and change that so that, yeah, you've got this kind of, you know, toxic, uh, you know, cancel, whatever you want to call it, just angry kind of teardown um, environment. But if you can find a way to hack it, short circuit it in a way to start, yeah, pushing through these ideas. And I think that's happening. I think that's the reason why. I mean, the reason when I went back and I'm trying to explain how maybe generationally speaking, it, it, it feels like this, this young, these younger generations that I get to see coming into the university, you know, in, in waves, how they seem to be more responsive and more, you know, attuned to the idea that, that, um, you know, there, there are differences and those differences aren't negatives and how to be more inclusive and um, equitable. Those, those ideas, I think, it's that's the long-term effect of this this environment where you aren't just in your physical landlocked community full of all of its biases right you know it's like i mean talking to you know yeah anyone who you know went to went to uh a, a university you know what 50 years ago and saying oh i you know i went into you know i i moved to this city and then i or i i went to this community and i never met anyone from a different country or a different uh uh, area of the United States or my country, you know, and, and, you know, I'd never met a Southerner until I went to college that all those ideas, right. That was what made um, universities, these kind of hotbeds of radicalism or something, right. Is because, because they were exposing people to uh, different ideas and then also uh, different diverse people. And now you've got the internet and social networks that allow that too. There is that, what you said, the kind of echo chambering or the isolation that you can have within your community. But, but the other side of it is like you said also, which is, is that, yeah, I'm able to talk to you, a person who has, you know, similar music interests and, and um, sort of, you know, if, you know, 40 years ago, we would have been isolated within our physical communities, but the, the web has allowed us to be connected to a global community of people like us, which is relatively small, but it's much more larger and and connected than uh if i had been you know just one person living in a small town in central illinois you know with these ideas and this this perspective and these feelings you know and and these ways of looking at the world what whatever you know and so i do think that there is a long-term effect that maybe you can connect back to this this the the positive side of this digital connection that we have now. Um, so we see all that negative sort of short-term tearing down, but there is also um, more expansive and communities, right? And a more, more attention and exposure to people who are different, right? Or right. not feeling, you know, not even exposure to people who are different, but people who are the same, right? Where it's like, you're not the only one of your kind in this isolated physical place, right? In this digital place, you um, are able to access and find out, oh, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only person who thinks that. I'm not crazy. These people are crazy, you know, because, and then I found other people who agree with me. Again, that could be a positive and negative thing as we've seen, but yeah. I do also feel like that there maybe there are some positives of this. I'm starting to talk myself into being less negative 
And it's just kind of like we're seeing these short-term impacts. But what you're talking about is like consequence culture. I think that's a long-term thing, right? It is. And that's the, and the problem is people have the, do not have patience for such things uh, these days. And, and we are trained to be even more impatient. And, and I, do, I choose those words carefully, that it is easier for ad algorithms to serve up targeted ads. It's easier to get people to change their their browsing styles to serve the needs of these platforms mm-hmm. and it does not serve these private corporations to change their ways and what what has that led to is that no one has time for nuance okay well if you live in a nuanceless society then what you're going to get is is things are going to be more random things will be more haphazard which will in turn lead to more anxiety, which will in turn lead to depression, which will in turn lead to even when people find their people, they're still going to be made to feel wanting so they can be advertised to. I think it's, as a tool for organization, the internet is has, has reached new levels of usability. But by the same token, are they a public square? No, they're not. They're, these, they're private industry. So private industry or public square. Right. And if we truly want to have a consequence culture instead of a cancel culture, then we need to really address those systemic issues and not choosing isn't an option because right now we have a hybridization of the worst parts of both. It's like BART in California. BART has got the, the Bay Area rapid transit has the worst parts of a private corporation and the worst parts of government <laughs> at the same time. And it used to deeply frustrate me uh, when I lived there. And I, I still think about it to this day. I'm like, how did that how did that pull together that way and i think that we need to be asking these kinds of questions and thinking about things holistically from from the floor up if we want to make a better society that actually has consequences for negative action and incite people to create instead of just tearing down yeah and 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 i just had a thought as you were talking about this you know and i'm i'm thinking through it 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 really blew my mind because i you know started when you you talk about these the the town square and then i think about i go back to the the era of the mall right and that was that idea too is that oh it's it's kind of a replication of the public square but it's a private space and and yet a a place to congregate freely right Yeah. yeah and kids and teenagers right and then but then it was like oh but there's it's it's not a public square and then thinking of the web the internet right the world wide web and i'm like oh yeah it's this full of these you know corporate sort of mall like enclosures for these yeah. communities and then it's like but wait a minute this was uh <laughs> it started out as and is still you know a a a public space right it's right. just that these corporations have found a way to um, box off it just in the same way. It's like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna replace the town square with this enclosed mall area, and then, and then that's kind of the same thing that's happened with with the web. And then it's like, yeah, so why? Yeah, we we've basically you know we do have a powerful you know sort of open source environment, community, public space, global public space that was built to be that, and yet has been sectioned off and is now dominated by these these corporate interests right look at the actual internet lines right given wholesale over to at&t just like gave them to them you know it's like wow that was infrastructure owned by like the people by by the by the by the united states of america and it was just flat out given to a, a private corporation 
that leases them out to other private corporations. <laughs> that is the in- literal infrastructure that all of this, you know, be it like uh, emails and organizations, signal uh, messages, whatever, all of this infrastructure that is utilized for these private corporations and anything else, again, including the original understanding of the internet, which is the freest possible form of communication you could have, uh, you know, pre-Patriot Act, pre-corporate uh, takeover of everything, back when people like still would utilize email instead of using, utilizing private messages in all of these little walled gardens, right? Mm-hmm. And it was given away. It was given away. Yeah. Uh, w- once more, which is, is it happens, right? That's that's There's a rich history of this country. The way it bows before capital every time. And I think it's just there needs to be a decision. Uh, there needs to be there needs to be an inflection point of some point at some kind. I don't know what that is, but I really do hope that it happens soon because I don't think people are meant to consume this much information. I think it's slowly driving everybody insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's 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 interesting, yeah, because it, it kind of also rolls back into that idea of like and and it's I, you hear it once in a while and it's just like oh yeah you should treat social networks it should be more like a like a, a public utility right it's like it, right. It, it's it's such an important part of the integral part of our society that it it should not be in in private hands right Yes. And shouldn't be made for profit, right? Because of exactly what's happening, which is that it gets exploited and 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 doesn't uh, isn't used uh, to support all, right? And that's where we're at, right? And and we aren't even able to tear ourselves away enough to ask these questions and get some certain sort of action plan together because we're too busy hearing about jk rowling's anti-diluvian ideas of what is or is not a female human and it's it's so infuriating yet it's so dystopic that i mean you have to have some sense of humor over you're just gonna cry all the time but like but it's it can that can be a distraction as well because again not only all people at the same level every event at the same volume level but the reality is though is that we do value leadership we do look to people to model behavior and to give us um frameworks for understanding the world right or give us answers tell us what to do maybe right and so so the thing is is that it, it is important when someone who is a leader right if they are i i would say taking or or modeling in improper behavior right that they do get taken down right it isn't that we're all we aren't all equal right and we don't treat everyone equally and that's the thing i keep struggling with is like yeah i mean i want this to be an equitable and just world but it's like there is i go back i i keep using this metaphor and it's it's I feel stupid doing it, but it's like I I, I built a scarecrow. <laughs> Bear with me. I built a scarecrow a while ago just for a photo shoot, right. and I I put it I had it in my basement. I built it in there. I walked out of the room, and then I walked back into the room, and I jumped out of my skin, even though <laughs> I created it. I I still sensed it as as a living thing. There's a person in this room, and yeah, I, yeah. And sure. so my lizard brain just automatically went there, even though like I I made this thing. 
I know it was there, right? And yet the lizard brain took over. And then I brought it outside, walked around a corner, and then five minutes later came back and same thing happened. I jumped out of my skin again, even though I had already had the experience somewhere else. And, and, and it's making me realize that, yeah, we, we have these kind of built, we have a lot of this built-in programming. And some of that built-in programming is, is that we, we, we look to leaders, we look to other people, we look for people to, to guide us. Right. And even if you feel like I, I, I do feel like I'm a very, very individualistic person and I'm a critical thinker and everything like that. But I do also know that I have, you know, sort of a regulator in my head and it's based on people that, you know, I respect and have and the culture that I was brought up in. And, and all of those ideas are swimming around in my head and, and sort of in some ways part of my programming. And so um in some ways, we're <laughs> this idea of in, individual sort of being able to control yourself, right, completely as an in, individual and be able to sort of determine y, the, your reality and then the world's reality and help define a path in it. It's not an individual thing. You're you're part of, you know, all of this cultural programming. And so it's it's important yeah, so some of the, some of this stuff is important. Is that we are in a way followers too. We are not just individuals. Sure. And not everyone's a leader, and you're not always a leader in every aspect of your life. Nor should everyone try to become one. That yeah. Isn't necessarily everybody's thing. And and that's that's I think maybe and and the problem is though is that if you build a world that's based on sort of some sort of winning and you know, sort of you get more power and you you get more value. And what I mean is just even like value, like your life is more valued than others. And it's all based on, you know, this this economic system or the social media system. And that's that's problematic. Right. And so or it's not even problematic. It's that you have to acknowledge that and you have to understand that this system is not just simply, oh, this is just you know, entertainments or this, this is that and everything like that is having a deep impact on how we uh, regulate our world. Right. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's something that I think everybody kind of knows, but it's rarely articulated in such a capacity and, 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 and with such clear and concise language. And for some reason we use this, these like weasel words <laughs> about it. Right. And, and it's like, why? Like we all, know the world that we live in and you know we we may have different ways of articulating how we feel about it and uh, preferred platforms and methods of expression but i i find it so funny that we just everything is coached in these marketroid terms and and like i said weasel words that, that that's it's yeah. it's in the interest of when you think of what political ethos has been moved forward with frame language Frame language isn't the opposite of weasel words. You you have to you have to be very clear and concise, and you have to you have to be succinct, and it has to be effective, and it has to build up a frame, right? We don't do that. The left does not do that. I mean, I, I, and, and or anyone that just like is is critical of this society. What, what happens is there's people are trained to be these these compliant little consumers, and the bummer thing is if critical thinking was 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 more uh, regular we would solve a lot of these problems uh at least if not completely 
at least partially. But that is one thing that all of the elites can agree on. That we don't want them questioning. Why would we want them questioning us? That sounds terrible. I don't want to be questioned. Just do what I say. Yeah. yeah, nobody wants to be questioned. Yeah, and then and if you're in a position of power, you especially don't want to be questioned, right? Yeah. Because it's going to undermine your your authority, your your power, your wealth. I mean, look at Sean King. He didn't want any questioning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why. Oh, it turns out there's a really good reason why. Uh, and and I think it's it's interesting too because getting back to the the meat of the consequence culture, right? Okay, look, Colin Kaepernick. So Colin Kaepernick, you know, that's a great example of like, you know, right wing cancellation. You know, the right wing cancel. Oh, he wouldn't, you know, and his entire reason for protesting was purposely misidentified and repeated ad nauseum until people, unless you're like a true head, didn't even know themselves. And it's like, well, no, he had a very valid reason for doing all of those things, and it didn't affect the game. It didn't affect anyone's bottom line. Uh, and it was effective in the fact they got in the conversation, but then they immediately changed what the conversation was. So he lost his career. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that, so I would argue that was a hack, right? So so the the conservative, the right wing was able to the right they hacked the system. Yeah. Yeah. They basically <laughs> hacked the system and 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 very efficiently um turned it into a, a different conversation and were you know or reconfigured it right used yeah. this these this this these pathways to restructure the narrative reshape reality right dixie or, chicks or, that's another yeah. example right you know <laughs> yeah and so the, then well, i'll be honest with you i never like paid the slightest bit of attention to until like they were in the news i'm like what the dixie chicks what's it like it's, oh some country thing no wonder i don't care about it but <laughs> But yeah, effect, you know, yeah like... but I yeah, I've heard through through the grapevine, yeah, people who are yeah, upset at them, you know, like just somebody muttering that it's like, oh, that's stupid. Why would they change their you know? And it's like, yeah. well, it's and it and it's and then yeah, it's 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 our job to say, well, yeah, because Dixie represents this, right? You know? Yeah. <laughs> or yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> Turns out it's, it has meaning before that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You know, and it's and it's been happening. I mean, it's it's just, you know, I mean, anytime somebody says, you know, the Civil War was about states rights, you know, it's like, OK, you know, this this is something that that continually happens. And and this really resounded with me is uh, oh, I wish I could remember who it was. It was uh, some some sort of uh, academic of a history historian. But they they were saying that, you know, it's it's you you always have to have a narrative. And so the problem is, is, you know, um you, you you're always fictionalizing history it's always a fiction and it's it's reconfiguring that narrative and the history um in in a way that is uh beneficial and supports your your argument and your vision for the world and so that's the thing is that um and i feel like also you know and this is this has been talked about so much you know but i i felt like my my form of sort of liberalism or progressiveness was that everyone has a voice right and and it's that idea that everyone you know gets to sit on the bus right and and then it's like and it's all about equity and you can't tell someone where on the bus they can sit you know everybody has that and and it's like uh that's deeply ingrained in me but the thing is is that now we've got a world where um there are some people who uh their perspective is is 
I know how to drive this bus. I'm going to grab this, the steering wheel and I'm going to turn, I'm going to grab the steering wheel and I'm going to turn it towards this cliff, the bus. Right. And that toolkit that I have, which is like, oh, everybody has a voice. Everyone is welcome. All perspective, right? You know, maybe everyone shouldn't have a voice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it goes back to those limitations of free speech too, right? It's yeah. like, oh yeah, no, wait a minute. Everything that's been built into me and my, my toolkit is all about uplifting and equity and equality of voices. But the thing is, is that <laughs> what, what can happen in that situation is if, if you aren't pushing down and you aren't saying, hey, wait a minute, and you aren't regulating, right? And, and so you, it's, it's just a, a matter of extremes, I guess, which is like, oh, once you, know, once you start uplifting and you start having more and more equity and equal voices, right, then you got to make sure that um, it doesn't tip too far to the other side where, where the destructive you know, forces come into play. The problem is, is that somebody who is complete opposite in my worldview, right, yeah. <laughs> would, would actually make that same argument, which is that someone like me is, is destroying the world because right. I, want, I want there to be equity. I don't want rich people to, you know, run my whole life. I don't want everything to be, I don't want to be commodified and I don't want human life to be, human life to be valued based on uh, wealth, you know, simply. Which if they think that's the natural order of the world, of course yeah. they're going to be upset by that. Yeah. And so that's, <laughs> that's the problem is, is that, yeah, there's. <laughs> well, and that goes back to. Arguing could, could argue the other side. And then I could be canceled because I could then be interpreted as I'm being, you know, elitist. I'm being, I'm canceling. I'm, I'm encouraging, you know, uh, the, the, the idea of tearing down people and, and running rampant with the pitchforks in the mob. So. Yeah, I want to make sure from an earlier point where I where I mentioned that I think a, a lot of things in the public discourse and just everyday life would be a lot easier if people didn't immediately adopt a position of judgment and were a little, little more curious. I don't mean curiosity absolutism any more than I mean free speech absolutism, <laughs> just to be clear. Just, and, and I'm saying this because you know, I come on this show now and again, and it's usually no pine about music. And there's all kinds of voices on this show. I'm just going to make that clarification that like there is a point where, again, it's good to have empathy, but you do not want to have ruinous empathy. Right. And then there's like, well, look what like the New York Times is going to keep beating them up after the 2016 election. They kept doing these these like just, oh, really in-depth profiles of the Trump voters. Like, what do you need to know about the, these guys? <laughs> like because because speaking personally. I, yes, I grew up in California, but I grew up in the Central Valley, which is like the Kansas of California. I know exactly who those Trump voters are. And there's you don't need a think piece about that. <laughs> they're, they're, they're jerks. They usually drive big trucks. They will shout gay slurs uh, with impunity. They're easy to understand. There's not a lot to them. And you can ask like maybe like why they were led down this road of uh, incuriosity and, and judgment and blaming anybody that doesn't look like them and there's certainly uh, questions in place for that but you don't need to be having a six-page piece in, in like the quote-unquote newspaper record about it frankly and and i still see that all the time yet when that kind of curiosity should be applied like say if hamas equals palestine where's that nowhere to be found 
just do you condemn Hamas? Do you condemn Hamas? Do you condemn Hamas? And because that's a, and, and that's coming from a place of they're framing that debate, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A- and it's so villainous. And it's it's so transparent to anyone who has a critique of media. Which if you're watching this or listening to this, that includes you. <laughs> but it's, if you're just the average Joe, you know, trying to like, get through this life, get through the payday, you know, put, put some groceries on the table, hopefully, and uh, maybe try to have a little fun before the, the alarm rings for the next day. I mean, I don't think everyone should be ex- expected to be like some revolutionary thought leader. Yeah. 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 Like you should take that pressure off of yourself. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I, I have to say this to myself all the time too, because otherwise I'm my own arch critic. <laughs> But now, yeah, now I'm going to start saying some of the the exact opposite of what I was saying before, which is like, yeah, like, and that's why I'm so like personally invested in in like public higher education because that the thing yeah. is is that yeah, it's like nobody has the time and the energy, but it's like if if we actually invest in um, giving people the time and energy and opportunity to build up the, this ability to be you know, uh, a critical thinker and a more engaged part of a more engaged um, community, right. And population, right. That's, that's good and powerful. Yes. And, and the problem is, is that, yeah, we've had a, a very long campaign, 40 year campaign to dismantle that, you know, basically elevating and educating and um, providing opportunity. Right. Right. Um, you don't want an educated populace. Why would you want that? Are you kidding me? Yeah. It sounds terrible. Yeah, it's it's been undermined <laughs> that that idea. And so but the positive is is that there is I mean I I mean cultures and societies have made those decisions and have made those choices to uplift and try to try to create equity across the board rather than um you know, from this kind of pyramid type <laughs> rather than a pyramid scheme, right? Um, yeah. Society is a pyramid scheme. And so it's, it's just, yeah, it's just, uh, we need to, yeah, we need to work and rewire what's going on. And so, yeah, consequence. Yeah. So that's the thing is that, yeah, just even the phrase consequence culture, right? That's a way of undermining um, the, the idea of cancel culture. And so just being able to do, uh, culture hacking, right, and 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 being able to rewire, and I think it's I think it does work. I mean, that's the thing is I you know, talking to my kids, and you know, I've I've obviously been an active part in programming them, right? You know, I'm sure, one of, would hope, yeah, I'm one of the <laughs> cultural programmers, but I also also know that I am not the only um, conduit programming them, right? right? I don't I haven't raised my children in in isolation off the internet, and and they're so their interactions in public schools and then their interactions online are defining them. And I think the, I can see the negative influences, but I can also see the positive influences and, and how um, community can be built and how um, people can be, uh, uh, yeah, uh, more positive, progressive pursuits and movements can be, and yeah, just perspectives can be built through that 
that system also. So it's not just, yeah, it's, it's the usual thing. It's like with any kind of technology or any kind of innovation, right? There's, there's a utopian and the dystopian and sure. we're going down the middle and it's Inside just said you are just, two wolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and you want to, we just got to make sure that we just keep pushing towards the utopian, right? We're not going to get there. It's never going to happen and just make sure. And that's the problem with technology is because it's so rapid and, and, and requires so much effort to, um, like you said, it's like the attention spans get shorter, the technology, the acceleration gets faster. It's harder and harder to react and adapt and find ways of surfing, uh, modifying, hacking that, those new systems in order to, uh, yeah, sort of get closer to utopia than than fall into dystopia. Right. Well, in, in the failing to achieve utopia, the idea would be we create a more just society in the failing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. And that is perfectly not only acceptable to strive for, that's much more achievable than, than trying to, you know, build up an ivory tower. You don't, <laughs> you, don't get, you don't get to the moon by digging a hole. Right. Right. <laughs> I think that, well, and so it comes back to frame language, which is, which was the original conceit of, of what I had for the programming. I originally had for the guest host slot uh, that was going to be later in the week, but I think consequence culture just using those different terms, it's in the same way that political correctness, you know, that plug-in, that uh, it, it changes to treating people with respect, right? And, and I think that that's, it makes you think about it. It makes you think about it in a way that you wouldn't otherwise do. And in lots of cases, it's funny. But like maybe in that humor, then you can find like, you can find a better truth. You know, like there's a Bill Hicks bit about uh you know all these uh pro-life protesters They're like well if you're really pro-life you know like why don't you go protest at a at a funeral right, <laughs> you know? right. and it's funny because it's like oh yeah it's, it's hilarious yeah. and he goes through the whole the whole bit and 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 it's and it's like yeah well that's a consistent life theory right that's why you should never call them pro-life call them anti-choice because they're not pro-life yeah clearly they certainly don't care about the kid after they're alive but like it's like oh no at least you're for the death penalty but you're against abortion. So you're anti-choice. No, yeah. no, I'm pro-life. Except for prisoners. Yes. Okay. So you don't, all right. I know you don't see it, <laughs> but like these kinds of things matter and, and how we utilize these terms matter. And I think cancel culture is just used as a, it's the new grievance mechanism, right? All the people that have like the worst ideas. Oh no, I'm being oppressed. Really? Who's oppressing you? Like you're honestly pretty mediocre. You're not being oppressed, but it's a, but if it's important to your brand identity proposition to, for all your, uh, your patrons and all your followers that you're oppressed all the time, then you're always going to be able to find a new mini, a new enemy. There'll be a new straw man to, to put up this, just like the one scared you in the, in your house that you made. Uh, they're going to be propping up the straw man. So you can whack down the straw man, whack down it goes. Ah, got him. Another one falls. And, and this kind of thing matters systemically if we continue to engage with language that is framed for something else entirely, which if it's, if it's something that's set up for a grievance mechanism, cancel culture is not meant to be something like framed in fairness. And I understand that it comes from, um, it's like a Niles Rogers song originally. It was in rap slang. Like was it come from some black sweater? I know where it came from. I'm just saying it's been hijacked by the worst people ever. Just like fake news did not used to mean what Donald Trump meant it to mean. 
<laughs> it was a term that existed with a completely different definition. It was stolen and changed. Just like socialism came to mean anything that a right-wing person doesn't like is socialism. Which now that's also woke. That means the same thing. Socialism and woke now mean the same thing, which is nothing. And all of this stuff matters. So I think if you if you reframe it to, to be about consequences, what does that mean? What is the consequence culture for Roseanne Barr? Okay, well, Roseanne Barr is an interesting case study because it's someone that like presented this working class family in, in this sitcom that reached millions of people at a time there were no working class families on television and came from a real like blue collar perspective. And it was a very important representation for a long time. Then from my perspective, she went kind of around the bend. She, I remember at one point she got in a Twitter fight with my wife and blocked her. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, and that's the, the, the least of Roseanne Barr's uh, odious things, but she did bring back that show. And that show was like, uh, the conceit of it when they brought it back was that, okay, there's a, there's a Trumpist, you know, there's a Trumpist and there's like, you know, a Bernie person and they're all living together in this household, which is like, wow, that could have been interesting if they were able to pull it off. And if it's something where I don't, is it purely psychological with Roseanne Barr? I don't know. Frankly, I don't care. But I don't see where getting her off the air fixes that. And, and I don't think that that is a, I think the only consequence is, is it just makes people feel wrong that are don't need to feel already feel they already feel wrong enough they they don't need any more ammunition in their in their uh hopefully figurative guns although yeah as i think about this though i mean i mean that that indication so i mean if you go back let's say 500 years the most toxic behavior if you were wealthy a royal right for instance you could you could you could murder people right <laughs> you murder people get away with it or just an indulgence from the church yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just any level of toxicity right human toxicity right um and and so there's something to be said that now we've got an environment where um your behavior your social uh, interaction your social capital right can is is um uh possibly directly connected um well it is directly connected to your your status right and that somebody can be destroyed over their social capital right or their social aspects um not just based on wealth, right? Their status can be impacted by that or their wealth is directly connected, can be directly connected to their status or their social um, standing, right? And so that, that some, something about this kind of shows that at least um, that idea of consequences or canceling, however, whatever side you want to look at it, it's like, oh, there, are, there this, it's more than just the wealthiest and most powerful are, get to do whatever they want and are able to um, continue, you know, basically their hold on all of society, right? That there are, that it's not equitable at all anymore, but there's been, there are other pathways now, you know, in order to uh, achieve um, power, right? And influence. Sure. Um, and, and I just go back to thinking this, like, yeah, there's, the, and, and so it's, it, it, it's, there's, there's something good there. And, and it, I just, and this just keeps going through my head is like, basically, if there's any issue in the world right now, and you want there 
if you want a solution, Taylor Swift just has to say, you know, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm uh, pro-choice. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I think she could pull it off, but she won't because she has that power, right? Yeah. She has her social capital in addition to her financial capital, but it's that's, and that's a very, you know, sort of extreme case, but it's like, Oh, there, there, there are these, these powerful people and culturally powerful people and they can, um, guide us. Right. And that's, again, goes back to the same thing. It's like, well, Taylor Swift should not be talking about the environment because that's not her place. She's just an entertainer, but it's like, well, no, she's also hugely powerful. Right. And so and she could be, choose to use yeah. her capital in that way, but yeah. since it would lose, she might lose some percentage of consumers. Like she probably would not do that. But right? that's also why the, th the threat is there is like, Oh, you're canceling me. And it's like, you're, you're, you're taking away my power. Well, and, and it, it goes both ways. Too. It's easy to think about things like, all right, again, going back to the bad people, they can always recover from this stuff. Well, all right, for every like Joe Rogan, right? There's also Michael Moore, where they did everything in their power to make sure that Michael Moore was just, I mean, they, they so effectively framed that guy up that like they had, you know, people that were ostensibly left leaning or as close as you get in corporate media doing the talking points for them. Uh, yet he survived he be, because he became very wealthy. So if you have privilege and you have power and you have wealth, you can survive it. You can wait out the storm. And, you know, it's not exclusively something that uh, that exists on the right. And it's but is that the world we want to live in? I don't think so. But what's the curative measure for it? Because we've set up everything. Everything in our world is set up that way. It's all whether it's capital, uh, meaning monetary, or, or it's capital social, or some degree of both. Like, that's the ultimate achievement. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and it, it makes you functionally immortal <laughs> in some ways, you know? Like, so, it, it, I don't think that people should settle for that. But pr the problem settling for that is that, again, there's no working class in America. There's just a bunch of temporarily embarrassed millionaires. <laughs> Rick, this has been awesome, man. Thanks so much for doing this. It's it's always a pleasure. Uh, it, it, folks want to engage with with your music. They want to engage with the podcast Radio Zero. Uh, that that's that's around. There's a lot of great conversation. One of the first podcasts as well, I might add. Mm -hmm. uh, and anything you like to to throw out uh, music? The, uh, you have the uh, the uh, <laughs> Richard Valentine. Uh, Richard so, Normal Valentine. Richard yeah. Normal Valentine. Lately, yeah. Singles as well. Poster uh, Children. Salary man, all sorts of music. Love having you. Uh, love discussing this kind of thing with you. Is there anything else that uh, springs to mind on consequence culture or literary thing else? We're gonna see the stated goal is to solve the problems of the world in an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I I don't know. I I think it just helped me, uh, you know, get my head around some of these things. And I'm I'm actually oddly enough, I'm more optimistic than I was. I think starting out in this conversation. So that's. Um, I'm, I'm reinvigorated with the power of, you know, of this, this technology and this, this huge sea change, digital culture, you know, change that there, there is still a way to, uh, hotwire it, rewire it, hack it in order to, um, help make the world a better place for everyone, hopefully. 
I'm already just saying that now. I'm already starting to get pessimistic again, but I, 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 I I'm, 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 I'm a little more optimistic. So thank you for that. Well, well, good. And that's, uh, that's certainly something I aim for. Granted, I'm guest hosting the show that coined the term Anglo pessimism. <laughs> so take of that what you will. But uh, no, it, it's. I, I firmly believe that uh, with with the right work and and the right actions that we can uh, affect change on the world. And I think that's very important. I, I don't think there's any anything else that's a more important thing to uh, come away from. So thank you everybody for watching. Thank you Rick for being on fire, the show. Fire fire Elon. Sorry, out of a cannon <laughs> yeah, <just fire> <laughs> thanks everybody i've been conan neutron